How will the world meet growing energy demand while reducing emissions? What technology, human capital, policy, and education is needed to making the energy transition a reality? What are the myths and hard truths about all forms of energy, our environment, and our economy? The Voices of Energy sets out to explore these questions with the people at the heart of making these changes a reality. We'll go from conversation to application by focusing on actionable strategies that will drive the world and our industry into a new era. I'm Katie Maynard, founder and CEO of Ally Energy, and this is the Voices of Energy. Anna Dye is the founder and CEO of Varia, a clean tech startup that aspires to transition the United States to a more sustainable future. In 2018, Anna graduated from UT Austin and went straight to Amsterdam to facilitate the acquisition of a media tech company. After traveling and working around the world in 2018 to 2019, she was able to see the advancements of clean, in clean technology and the pressing nature of the environmental crisis that was not felt as urgently in America. Obviously, that's changed. Mario was thus created to bring all of the environmental sensitivities and solutions back home. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Voices of Energy, female execs of Climate Tech Series. We're so glad to have you. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, this is what we're going to do. We, we normally do like a rapid fire round okay. of questions. Then we talk a little bit about your background. And then we have a couple of questions that we ask of all of our female tech execs. So are you okay. ready? Yes. Yes. Awesome. Okay. Are you a morning or a night person? Morning. Awesome. So that means I will see you in the office early. I'm a morning person too. (laughs) (laughs) Questionably. Most some days, yes. Okay. (laughs) If you could pick up a new skill, what would it be? Is this a superhero skill or this like uh, any kind of skill? A superhero skill, of course. I think that's a superhero. I wish I could teleport. I wish I could be anywhere after traveling for so long. When I was in Amsterdam, I traveled almost, I think, 80 days of the year. Um, I was just on a plane and I realized how long it takes to actually travel. And I was, I think I was at the airport more than I was in a location. And so teleportation would be awesome. I'm with you. Let's learn how to teleport. I think yeah. that'd be great. And no COVID, right? No, nobody would get sick. No yeah. COVID. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Awesome. All right. Favorite movie. Schindler's List. Okay. Favorite book? Heart Intelligence. Okay. Person you'd most like to meet? I would like to meet Greta Thunberg. I say this all the time, but what she kind of did was a little bit of a phenomenon. And, you know, phenomenon, it doesn't really happen to that many people, but like where she started, how she started, what factors came into play for her behind the scenes is something I'd like to hear about and something I'm interested in. Awesome. All right. And then have you picked up any new hobby hobbies during the pandemic? Yes. I actually started bodybuilding. I know that. So, so for like, so let me explain. So for the first, when COVID just happened, I had a bout of pneumonia, which was also questionably COVID. And so I was just down for two months. And then in those two months, I didn't do anything. I laid in a bed and um, uh, we were trying to figure out the business and what to do about the business because all our on-site audits got canceled and everything was just under lockdown. And so I was in bed for around two months 
maybe a month and a half and I didn't work out at all. And my health was just not the best at all. So after that, after that summer, during the summer, I was just like, I can't do this at all. Um, when things started opening up with masks, I started going to the gym and then at the gym, I saw a team and I, I liked the disciplined nature of working out. So I think it also relieves some stress, releases the cortisone in your back. Uh, so I started bodybuilding. I mean, I wish I could say that I became a bodybuilder. I think I became like a sludge on the couch because I was so afraid of getting sick, but thank gosh I got my vaccination. So, well, okay. So you were talking about the travel that you do. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the time you were traveling abroad after college and how that led you to start Varia and talk about Varia um, Energy, what you're doing. Okay. So right after college, I went over to Amsterdam and Amsterdam was a big culture shock for me. So I'm from Texas, right? So I went to school at the University of Texas. It was in Austin. Austin's more liberal. Uh, You know, I thought we were trending at the edge of like the world. You know, I thought we were leading the world to like a better, like, technical field. But then I went to Amsterdam. And as soon as I got to Amsterdam, I realized everything was public transportation. That was new to me. That coming from Texas, that was completely just, I didn't realize that could work until I was there. And not only there, you start picking up on the small things, right? So I didn't really pick up on the policies until three to four months in, but they, what I noticed first was all their taxi cabs were Teslas. So there was no taxi that wasn't electric vehicle. So, you know, that was the first thing that got me questioning what was going on in Amsterdam. But after really integrating into society there, um, they recycle a lot more. Just the sense of global sustainability was ingrained into everyone from youth so that it wasn't questioned at all. You know, in America, some people still question whether the environment is going through, you know, a certain crisis or how fast the crisis is going to come over there. Everybody knows the crisis is here and we need to do something about it now. And after getting into that mentality, I was just like, okay, well, let's look at the policy over here. So that's when I really came to understand the the UN treaty, the Paris Treaty at UN. I realized then that the US had backed out of it because at that time, Trump was the president. I realized that Germany, China, and a lot of other countries weren't really in it, but like the Dutch were in it. I realized that they had a mandate that said by 2024, they were going to go all electric cars. So that was their plan. And and that's not even close to America. So when I came back to America, um, I was just like, okay, their, their technology obviously is like very, very sophisticated in the sustainability realm. Let's do something about it. Right. So when I first started, so I was in media. When I first started Aria, I wanted to build a platform where everybody could see what everybody in the world was doing. So like that America would see all the technology in Amsterdam. So it would be like this Reddit environmental social platform. I was in media tech. I had experience developing a platform before. And so when I came back, we developed a platform and I met up with a bunch of sustainability engineers, which led to really Varia Energy and what we've become today. So the platform is still there. It's offline right now. We want to bring it back later on once we develop our product a little further. But when we came back, I got together with a few engineers and I realized a lot of the buildings in America are older, right? And they're not as sophisticated as the buildings over, well, I would say in 
in Amsterdam, we kind of just let the utilities run and resources run its course and then pay whatever the utility company pays. But this is not really accurate, at least now, because majority of the buildings, I would say around 80%, are older than 50 years old in America. And they've been running with the same pipes and the same utilities for those 50 years. And so once we started tapping into what the facilities were like in America, um, how many facilities needed engineering retrofits, turnkey projects, new HVAC systems, new lighting systems. We started realizing that this is a huge market and this is a huge need in America. And so what we do now is our software that we've worked on. So after we've done, we did engineering turnkey projects, working with facilities, we started working on a software to collect utility data, monthly utility data, non-invasive data to pinpoint inefficiencies to keep a facility healthy or the systems of a facility healthy. Do you have any questions on that? (laughs) No, I mean, just listening to you talk. So I can't wait for us to get a cup of coffee over at Greentown. Yeah. We're both uh, now Greentown Houston members and um, we're moving in tomorrow. Actually, we're going to go and start laying our stuff. So I might have to ask that we get to sit near you. We are, yeah, no, we're a media tech company and that's what we're trying to do. We've created a social media platform for the energy transition and specifically jobs and connections. And so I would love to hear more about your product because maybe at some point we can, we can do something together. We want to see a more diverse future. And we felt like there wasn't really anything out there creating a community where people can connect and share and all of that. And so, yeah, really looking forward to uh, getting to know more about your, your background there. So, well, congratulations on that. You know, it's, it's a big deal to have to graduate and then have these ideas and then start a company. I mean, you've been on our whirlwind. Yeah. I, yeah. And I think that all of it just kind of fell in place. Like if you told me, Right before I grad, okay. So if you told me a year before I started, or like I joined a startup in college that I was going to live in Amsterdam the next year, I wouldn't have. I, I would have just laughed in your face. I would have been like, "No, that's really." Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I was the accidental entrepreneur. I saw a gap and hustled right to yeah. get it done. So yeah. Uh, yeah, but um, okay, so what's the number one advice that you have for organizations in the energy conservation efforts? Obviously, you guys have a software licensing model. So how do companies um, use the software and what data are you able to to collect? So I'll go over the advice second and I'll go over our software first. So the software itself collects utility resource data, right? So water, waste, and energy. We use that data in conjunction with each other to help a system in a facility. So to give an example, if we see a spike in water data and a spike, or not water data, but energy data and a spike in water data, we can we can predict that, you know, there's a leak in the boiler room or there's a leak in this pipe here. So we have a tier model right now. We know that going into the industry, we're only collecting non-invasive data because this industry is a little sensitive on pricing. So when 
companies come in, and this is something I realized as an engineering, when we were an engineering company, only 3% of our audience really were serious about doing retrofits because it costs money doing retrofits. They didn't have the capital to come in. When we come in as a non-invasive company that just takes monthly utility data bill to help solve their issues, they're more adapt to accept what we have as a software. And then from there, we'll bring them down the tiers. Once they see, you know, 10 to 20% savings, we'll take them down our tier model, right? And so by tier, we do want to take and collect minute interval data so we can see how, let's say, the environment will affect the building and how like trends in the environment have affected regions of facilities. And so ideally, that's where we get. When advice I'd like to get give this industry is there are we're so we're, we're a little bit in a bubble so this is something like i currently realized coming back to houston when i was in amsterdam i was in a bubble too so i thought that you know all environmental things were great the whole world's gonna love this transition to the next high-tech environmental world um, sustainable world but that's not actually true that's just the reality of it living in houston there's a lot of people that have still run off of software from the 1980s and trying to get them to transition isn't going to be, hey, guys, let's just transition. It takes sitting down with them, talking to them, understanding why they don't transition to get them to transition. But they are still important. One example that I can give is just down down the Houston port and channel, there's a lot of facilities that run high electricity numbers. I'm talking over a million dollars a month just in one facility. They run probably Houston's top 10 electrical plants or whatever plants that they have. We've seen companies like those, breweries like those, use a system that probably is wasting around 30 to 40% electricity, but not wanting to transition over because what they're doing works. But they're critical. These companies are actually critical to our energy transition. It's so critical. So understanding and how to get them to work with us is also a challenge that we've faced. But I guess my biggest advice is it's still important. Looking at America and looking at all the carbon polluters as a whole, these companies are one of could bring the carbon emission percentage down by a whole 6 to 10%. So it, it, don't forget the rest of the 80% that's not in the first, like the first part of the bell curve. <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, to be able to say, to be able to speak to those kinds of numbers and have an impact, I'm amazed at, and, and many of the entrepreneurs we've talked with, many of the founders we've talked with are, uh, are all about efficiency and actually making money off of waste, which is kind of funny, mm-hmm. right? Like <laughs> what you get, you know, and the, you know, the elimination of waste, how much more value you have, right? How much more resiliency you have. So it's kind of interesting to hear you talk about this. So I'm wondering, maybe you can tell us a little bit about why did you want to apply to Greentown? We can share notes on that, but why did you want to apply and what are you excited for in, uh, in joining Greentown Houston? So Greentown Labs, we were one of the first people that found out about Greentown Labs because we had known somebody. And so we have a we had an advisor. So I was in another accelerator. Um, the other accelerator wasn't in the environmental field, but we got convinced to join the accelerator by one of our close mentors. So we joined the accelerator. It was okay, but they only focused on the revenue, the business model, right? So they didn't really focus on the impact side. So uh, at that point, we were just kind of like, this accelerator is not that much of a fit. But one of the advisors from that accelerator said, 
no, you got to hear about this incubator. Um, he was from Boston. So he was just like, it's, it's, this is called Greentown Labs. You should check them out. This was right before they announced coming to Houston. And so we got introduced that way. We started networking with a few people that were surrounding and um, investors that were connected with Greentown. This was when we wanted to just see a little bit what was out there. And we met Jason through that. And so Jason is the op- operational lead at Greentown Labs. And from there, it just we hit it off with Jason and he was just like, y'all should join because we're coming to Houston. You know, that's your home. And I was just like, okay. (laughs) Awesome. Very cool. Yeah, no, we were excited about just seeing a place where things were happening around the energy transition. You know, a lot of our customers are in oil and gas and utilities and renewables. And so it's kind of hard to fit in one box. And what's nice about Greentown Labs in Houston is the focus on acceleration of the energy transition. So we're excited. Yes. Yeah. 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 And we're a platform uh, company too. I was, you know, I've seen the lab and I've seen the really cool space where I guess they blow stuff up. Let's, let's hope they don't blow anything up. And um, I was like, you know, we're going to have to come up with like an IT culture lab or media lab, like some sort of blanky space, you know, (laughs) so yeah. Okay. So tell me something. These are questions we ask all of our guests. What is your why? So why do you do this work? So I think about this all the time. I think really when I was in Amsterdam, my biggest why was I like media tech, but I was doing it for a company that I didn't have a why for, but you know, we made money. We got there, we made money, but then it kind of stagnated. We kept developing software for our clients and that was it. I think that when I was there, I realized, and I, I always knew, so like before, so before I even like joined the startup back in college. So the startup was just a part-time gig for me as a college kid, because I was just like, Hey, I need to make some money. I'm in college. (laughs) Give me a way to make money. But I was pre-med. And so at that point in time, I already knew that I kind of wanted to do something that impacted society. I just didn't know if I could sit through med school. I still like the body. I still like fitness. I still like nutrition. I like sports medicine. I love all of that, but I didn't know if I could do the school schooling. And I didn't know if I was 100% passionate about it. So I went the startup route. I went to Amsterdam. I gave up. I didn't go to med school. I went to Amsterdam instead. But then I also, while I was there, I was lonely. And I realized that, you know, this is not what I want to do too. I want to do something I want to do. I want to do something that impacts society in one way or not. Um, And it just so happens that over there, the urgency was sustainability. And the crisis was the climate crisis. And that's something I realized that America didn't have. And so there's a need for it in society right now. And that drive kind of led to the why. And Houston is home, right? So when you see all these foreign countries dedicate so much of their, you know, intelligence to like sustainability and you look back home and, you know, we're building a wall or you look back home and we're not doing what we should be. And we're just not, we're not at that level yet. You go like, no, we need to do that. We need to bring that home. We need to bring that home. We need to do all the things that these other countries are doing. Um, and we need to get up to par there. And so that's kind of why I came back to Varia. Made, developed Varia or made Varia and then came back home. I know the whole like wall, that was a separate issue. Not to give any opinion there, but I wish we had more, focus more on the environment in the past four years. Well. No, I get it. And, you know, I'm curious too, have you had any role models along the way, women or men, you know, who've mentored you to help you get to where you are uh, today? 
So I keep going back to Greta Thunberg. She's a, a pretty good role model. A part of me is just like she keeps trekking forward even among all the negativity that is kind of popped up around her. And that's kind of what all now I realize all entrepreneurs have to face. You know, when you start from zero, no one believes in you, only you. Well, some people might believe in you, but they don't believe in you like you believe in you. And so to go from that to keep going and to keep continue going after a lot of backlash comes up, I I find that like very respectful. You see that in almost every entrepreneur. So every woman that's a founder, I see that in like every woman that's a founder, I understand. And I kind of admire them because I know that they must have gone through something in a male dominated, you know, space in a space where you don't know what's going to happen, but you have determination to make it happen. Yeah, no, absolutely. And mentors are great. I mean, anyone that comes along and uh, she's actually wrote a a piece in Newsweek two years Mm -hmm. ago that said big oil should embrace activists like Greta Thunberg. And I I think, yeah, I think we're there. I actually think that, you know, it took the pandemic to kind of, I think, wake us all up to the reality that YOLO live once. So YOLO thing, right? Yeah. Um, Okay. And then last question, what advice do you have for that next generation wanting to enter into a job and climate tech or sustainability? And what do you think that careers look like in the future? I think there's a lot more careers that will stem in the future in uh, sustainability. Actually, looking and talking to our interns, it seems like the next generation is more sensitive to the social problems that our current world is facing. I would say that to the leaders and to the people that want to lead the next generation, look at the science, look at the science, look at the facts before you enter something and then keep open-minded on the other side too. Again, there's like a lot of things going on too. There's also like, you know, we care about the environment, but there's also the whole space exploration we're getting back into as a society. I respect that too. I, I am pretty excited about it as well, but like depending on how the world trends, just be mindful that the world can take any turn at any point in time. And this is coming from post-COVID and what all the transition, all the leaders had to do to transition their companies and their directions. Thank you so much, founder and CEO, Anna Tsai from Varia and fellow Greentown member, Houston. I'm so excited to have you in this amazing journey. That we're all taking together in Houston's energy capital. We're just glad that you came on the podcast and I can't wait to meet you and connect with you and talk more about media tech. Yes, thank you. We definitely need to get coffee.